Hey Mary, I get these confused all the time. What is the difference between phonological and phonemic awareness? This is the Reading Teacher's Lounge where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. Hey, let's talk about phonemic awareness. This is episode 16 of the Reading Teacher's Lounge. Hi, I'm Mary Sagafi. I'm a reading tutor and I've taught in all elementary grades. I have Orton Gillingham training and I've been helping students with reading issues and dyslexia for 10 years. And I love talking all things teaching. I believe that humor goes a long way when asking students and teachers to do hard things, and I'm excited to share with Shannon and learn along with all of you. Hi, I'm Shannon Betts, and I've been teaching for over 16 years. My specialty is locating the missing pieces in students' reading development and choosing just right activities to fill those gaps. You can find me online at readingdevelopment.com and at rdngdevelopment on Twitter and Instagram. Um, before we start the episode, we want to give a shout out to Kelvin, the Instagram guy. Thank you so much for writing us a positive review on iTunes, and we're really glad you're listening and that it's helping you and your students with reading. You can drop us an email if you want to at readingteacherslounge at gmail.com. We'd love to hear more from you. And we'd love to hear from all of our listeners. It's so We're so curious about who you all are as our numbers are growing, so thanks for listening. Um, so today we're going to talk all about this big umbrella term of phonological awareness. So everybody imagine right now a great big umbrella and under the umbrella there's word awareness and rhyme awareness, syllable awareness, alliteration and first sound awareness and under there there's also phoneme awareness. And so I was using those terms interchangeably, but in doing the research for this episode, I realized that just phoneme awareness, phonemic awareness is just a little piece of phonological awareness. And phonological awareness is that big umbrella term for all of the thinking and work with sounds only, not looking at any letters. Right. So it has nothing to do with letters. So my biggest thing is I'm imagining this big umbrella and it's phonological awareness and it's sounds. The phonological should remind you of sounds and you're going to phone, phone, sound, sound, and you're going to put that umbrella right over your head and you're going to close your eyes because you can do all of these activities in the dark. Yes. You don't need to be looking at any written words at all. You're just under your dark little umbrella and (laughs) you are going to be able to rhyme and um, you know, sell this segment syllables into words. You're going to be able to change those syllables out, create new words. Um, so there's lots of examples. Um, and I want to give, um, a really quick example that has all of the skills that you would be doing with phonological awareness. So I'm going to ask Shannon a few questions. Here's my word. It's airplane. How many syllables are in the word airplane? Two. Airplane. Right. And how many sounds are in that first syllable? Air. Two. Air. Right. Air has air. Those are your two. How many sounds are in your second syllable? Plane. P-l-a-n-e. Four. Right. 
Now, if you take off the first syllable, what's left over? Plain. And then change plain to port. What's your new word? Airport. Right. So do you see that all of these are a whole bunch of skills that you could all do without looking at a word? Yes, we were just playing with sounds out loud. We're just playing with sounds out loud, and that is what phonological awareness is. So, And just to add to that, here's a little bit more you can do just with that one word, airplane. All right, Mary, do these words rhyme? Plane and play. Do they rhyme? No. Okay, could you give me a word that does rhyme with plane? Plane rain. Yes, plane and rain rhyme because they have the same middle and end. Right, so the, the ending, um, the onset and the rhyme is when you take the, the word apart and it has the beginning sound and then the rhyme sound. Um, so that's the onset and rhyme. So when we're breaking that down, that's your rhyming skills. But let's talk a little bit about what the phoneme level is because that's the part that people get really confused about. A lot of people understand word awareness. A lot of people understand that that's you know, how many words are in a sentence, for example, would be word awareness. Um, the sky the, is blue. The sky is blue has four words, words in it. And early writers need to have that skill, that phonological awareness skill, to be able to write down their sentence. I'll give you a quick example. Um, I actually use this a lot even with my older students, and we do a lot of sentence dictation. And so when we're doing dictation, I have a bunch of Jenga blocks, so they all happen to be the same size, so it doesn't really matter. But for each word in the sentence for dictation, I will put out a block that represents each word so that they can make sure that they have all of the words in their sentence. And when they repeat the dictation sentence back to me, they'll have it. And some of our sentences have 12 words in them. And so it, it's helpful for them to be able to break it down or to know between these two blocks, oh, there's a comma. So I'm going to put a big space so that when they are visualizing it, um, that helps. That's that multisensory. Always using multi-sensory. Okay, so you said word awareness was one part of phonological awareness. Right. Rhyme awareness, we already covered. Mm -hmm. Syllable awareness, we took apart the syllables in airplane. Mm -hmm. You can also count syllables, and you can blend syllables together. Yep. If you say computer, and a student can guess the word computer. I love calling that robot language. Yes. And then there's alliteration um, and first sound, just sort of playing around with you know, Peter Piper picked a peck, pickled peppers, and those kinds of sentences, mm -hmm. playing with language. And then now you're going to really explain phoneme awareness. Right. So phoneme awareness um, and first sound awareness, somewhat similar, but um, sometimes you want to just make sure that the kids understand what these two words have the same beginning sound in common, and that still has to do with the first sound awareness. But um, the phoneme awareness is understanding and recognizing that each word has different sounds, and they're all in their spoken words. So to break down a phoneme, this is my easy, quick example. The word sat, sat, has three sounds in it. You probably are aware it's S-A-T. However, um, the word bake also has three sounds, b, a, k. Because even though there's the letter E in that word, it's silent, so we it's not counted as a phoneme. We're not counting the letters, we're only counting the phonemes. Sounds, so yeah. We're just counting the sounds. So then the word shoe, um, you have to understand that shoe has sh as one sound, oo as another sound. And it's a totally different coding understanding 
um, to know that the written word is spelled a different way than it actually sounds. And I find that looking at students' spelling, especially their invented spelling, gives us insight into their phonological awareness skills, their phonemic awareness um, abilities. Right. Because looking at how students might spell bake, they might spell it as B-A-C or B-A-C-B-A-K. And, and a lot of times it's B-A-C-K. You might have taught that rule already, right. but they didn't have the full understanding of how to code it. And so it's it doesn't mean they're necessarily a terrible speller. If I see a student who's been struggling reading and they start spelling bake that way, I'm very happy. Me too. One of my lowest readers in my class this year, I did a happy dance the day he tried to spell aquarium in his story because he put U-H-U... K-U-R-U-M. And I was like, oh my goodness, there are a lot of vowels in that. There are yeah. a lot of the consonant sounds. It doesn't look anything like aquarium, but I can see what sounds he is hearing. And so I could see the phonemic awareness that he had yep, just by reading his spelling. Um, let's see. So the, the big issue is that teachers are kind of ill-equipped with um, early learning and training because you don't really remember learning to read this way and learning to practice all of these sounds. And most of them are only in the kindergarten standards. A right. little bit in the first grade standards, but they're not, they don't show up in the curriculum in the later grades. But yeah, that's a really good point too, especially if you're looking at those standards based all the time. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, the, so when teachers are kind of ill-prepared with this, if you're not really well-trained and well-versed in all of the nuances of early language learning, um, then this stuff gets really tricky. It's, it's complicated and it's based in linguistics and um, it's fairly new from the 50s and 60s, which is kind of interesting. So, um, you know, it's, it may not be how um, you were taught when you were younger and you probably definitely don't remember. So let's do a little practicing. Um, I'm going to say some words and I want you to, I'll give you some time and I want you to count out how many sounds you hear. So your first word is time. So you should be thinking in your brain, I'm three sounds. Okay. Next word, let's do um, best. Did you get four phonemes? There's four sounds in that word. How about the word though? T-H-O-U-G-H, though. Did you get two sounds? There's two phonemes. It's only in two them. sounds, even though there's so many letters. Um, you can break it down. The th is an unvoiced th, and the o u g h makes its own sound o. So when you're coding it, that's a more complex code. But if you're in kindergarten, you could still tell your teacher how many sounds are in though. Two sounds. I remember. I just had a flashback to like, I think my second or third year teaching. And I went to some professional development workshop called like reading is rocket science or something. Mm -hmm. And they had us do that in the big conference room. And I remember getting them all wrong yeah. because I really, um, I didn't leave college knowing a lot of this stuff and I didn't really learn a lot of it until I started working with the low readers. And I talk about that in the in our first few episodes, I really talk about my big aha moment when I was became when I feel like I became a reading teacher mm -hmm. was yep. comparing my fifth grade struggling readers to the skills that my kindergarten students were learning, and um, so. 
that's one of the reasons why we did this episode is yeah. because um, we have both learned through our years teaching reading that a lot of times phonemic awareness is the missing piece right. in, in students' reading development. And that um, yeah, we when make- you see a struggling reader, especially in the upper grades, mm-hmm. and you're trying to figure out why they can't read, this is almost always the reason why. Yeah, almost always the reason. Um, I So, okay, I have um, one way that I used to do it in kindergarten, which was so easy and very basic, and that's just pushing sounds with Smarties. So before we would start a lesson, I would pass out a little handful of Smarties. The kids would get so excited. And on their desk, we would put up a picture on the screen, and the picture would be Target. And we would say t r g e t how many smarties did you push check with your neighbor and they would check with their neighbor and we might do two or three and then they would eat their smarties and this was of course before we got really healthy <laughs> we weren't allowed to have candies in school but my smarties were smart when when we were practicing and pushing those things but um, with Shannon and I, we talk a lot about how you need to have picture cards. You need to be supporting your teacher, your students um, away from the print concepts when you're working on any of these phonological awareness activities. And we're going to kind of share a few of those other favorite activities with you right now. And of course, we're going to link to them in our show notes. Yes. And so I just want to real quick um, bring up one of the students that I worked with a few years ago. I had him in fourth and fifth grade. And when I had him in fourth grade, as a reading intervention teacher, I worked a lot on sight words. I worked on learning the short vowels. And he just wasn't making progress. We did some guided reading books each day, but he never remembered any of the words we practiced. He never remembered any of the sounds that we did. We would come to a word he didn't know. He struggled with sounding it out. And... I found out he was an immigrant and I found out that he never went to school when he was in his home country in kindergarten and first grade. Wow. What a huge learning. Yes. And so he never played with sounds really. And so, um, when I had him the next year in fifth grade, I realized that I just had to go back and backwards and backwards and backwards and not even work on the sight words with him, not even work on the letter sounds with him. I needed to go back to phonemic and phonological awareness. And so um, I always, on my reading card, had picture cards. And so I pulled out a deck, and on the spur of the moment, I said, okay, Roger, I'm going to hold a picture in my hand. I'm not going to show you what it is, and I want you to guess what picture I'm holding. I'm going to give you some clues. And so I said, f-ish. What picture am I holding? And he said, pencil. Yeah. And then I said, f-ish. And he said, bird. And I said, fish. And he, he could not tell me fish. Yep. He couldn't do it. And so, no. And so that, that he wasn't looking at any letters. He was, it was just a picture. I was just playing around the sounds with him. And so that's when for him, his whole plan for the next few months was phonemic awareness. Um, my favorite book that I have with it, I have given it to so many teachers over the years. I've bought this book so many times. I call it the froggy book. It has a big frog on the cover and it's called getting ready to read. It's by Joe Fitzpatrick. And I use literally 90% of the games 
in that um, book yeah, on my fantastic. reading cart. As soon as Shannon showed it to me, I bought it immediately. <laughs> it's fantastic. And so I did all those games with him. And it took him about two months to finally be able to blend sounds and take sounds apart and all of that with all my picture cards. And I think his teachers thought I was a little crazy, just doing pictures, pictures, pictures with him over and over and over, playing with sounds, counting. We were using our arms. We were hopscotching sounds in the hallway. We were doing so many things. But after those two months, after he started mastering, after he got sound some of correspondence and finally had phonemic awareness, then I pulled out the short vowels and the sight word cards and everything, and they made sense to him. And all of a sudden, he could sound out at cat, and then he could read that word, and then he remembered it the next time he saw it, and his reading finally started to grow Absolutely. after that. Yeah, that's, that's it. You have to be able to manipulate sounds to be able to learn phonics. It's like something, it was like a, it was literally like a big stop sign. In his brain, and I'm not a brain researcher or anything, but yeah. it was like he could not sound out words. He could not remember well, words that we had gone over over and over and over again until he had that phonemic awareness. I mean, technically, it's a language deficit, and it has little to do with his English knowledge. It's a language deficit. And so if you find that you have kids who are struggling with this, then you do want to make a referral um, and you do want to identify what the issue is and you do want to have an intervention. And I really want to like emphasize that next piece is the intervention piece because you can label it all you want, but if you're not actually doing the activities and practicing and um, working with students like that, then they are going to have difficulties later on. And sometimes those difficulties don't show up until third and fourth grade where they're having a much harder time reading larger words because they've been able to kind of fake it with the just yes single syllable or sometimes two syllable words and once we get into um more difficult vocabulary terms then it gets a little bit more complicated and if you don't have that strong foundation and i'm going to even back up a little bit remember that reading is not an innate characteristic that humans were able to do a while ago it's a fairly new thing that humans are now able to do. Um, humans were able to learn language. So if you find a language issue, you're going to have a reading deficit in some capacity or another that needs to get rectified. The sounds came first. Sounds so the brain does the sounds first. Right. Then matches the letters to those sounds second. Well, the sound symbol correspondence is simultaneous, right? So you have to be able to hear the sounds, understand what the sounds are, and match that meaning to the symbol. And so the symbol comes final. So. And a lot of times when we do intervention, we do symbol-based interventions. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. That's exactly right. So we're in the dark, <laughs> or we're having a picture support, just a, just a picture support. Um, we want to make sure we're just manipulating the language piece, um, and it's all oral practice at this point. And then phonemes um, are the sounds. Phonemes, sounds, letters are written. Yes, <laughs> so that's the symbol. Keep it. Keep, phonemes equals sounds, the sounds in words. Um, they also match with the letters, but we're not getting there yet. The letters are written. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just talking about the sounds. All right, you want to talk about some more activities that we do? I sure do. So I, I kind of took the one that I did with Roger that day, which was Guess the Picture I'm Holding. I 
in the froggy book, there's a ton of different sets of picture cards. And so a lot of times that's a game that I just sort of made up on the spot um, that I've continued to use since then, where I take any picture card and just say, guess what picture I'm holding? And that's working on aura blending. Mm -hmm. But then I can turn it around later. And as the students get better at it, I'll say, okay, now it's your turn. I want you to tell me the sounds and I'm going to try to guess what picture you're holding. And yep. then that works on the segmenting. Yep. And then that gets the students ready to be able to spell because you need to be able to take apart sounds to spell. And so if a student um, can look at a picture of the word bird and take it apart and say bird and either count the phonemes or take it apart on their arm. We do arm it where we'll go, el you know, um, shoulder, elbow, wrist mm -hmm. and say bird. And then they start writing the B and maybe the R and the D. Um, yeah, that's connecting those sounds and those symbols for them. Perfect. Um, there's, there's so many games to play. I, uh, so the other thing is you all know how much Shannon and I love the Florida Center for Reading Research. Yes. You can find lots of free activities on the, on that website as well, which I have used a lot in my classroom. I'm kind of getting in deep with David Kilpatrick right now. He's got, um, a new really popular book and this one is equipped for reading success and so if you have older students who you think need some phoneme awareness training um, he's got a whole really great um, comprehensive book that like teaches you how to get in deep so if you are looking for some more advanced resources I highly if you recommend want to nerd out like Mary check out that book I totally recommend it um, but uh, in my personal life, I'm kind of in the thick of it as well because I have an almost four-year-old who is very interested in reading and um, mostly thanks to her dad, which is hilarious. He loves to take on the teaching her reading skills, um, but he, he's always kind of just double-checking with me like, hey, am I doing this right? <laughs> <laughs> or I'll just kind of walk by and I'll be like, hey, ask her to sound it out, you know, break it apart. So what are some of the things they do? So they love to just kind of like sit at the counter and they will just, he'll be like, hey, guess the word that I'm, I'm going to say. And it could be blender, blender. <laughs> and, or I'm thinking of a word and he might even give her another clue. Like it's in one of the cabinets in our kitchen. And so she might be looking around like, hmm, I don't know. Um, but they work on it together, so that's really cute. But I love playing games like that um, in the car. We'll be sitting in the car and I'll say, oh, we're turning onto um, a street is called Alta near us. Alta. How, let's sound it out together. And she'll sound out the, the sounds together. Um, we love doing... I'll do that in the car too, but I'll say like, oh, I spy a word that has the sounds b-ike, and then my five-year-old will need to blend it and say bike, or I'll do that Perfect. with students when we're reading a guided reading book or something. We're really into rhyming and doing lots of nonsense rhyming, and she happens to love the show Super Y, and there's a girl who loves to rhyme words, and she does them very fast, and it's really cute. So I think today the word was amp, so amp, ramp, stamp lamp camp camp and then and then you know my daughter will just pamp damp 
And and she's you know thinking it so all through. So she's she's sw- she's actually switching the first sound. And she she's definitely switching all the first sounds, and she's trying to do it fast like the TV show, which I think cute. is also really cute. So we have lots of fun, and we giggle and laugh, and we do made up words, and I think that's the other piece that's so essential. Make it a game. Which you know? is why Dr. Seuss is so popular, I right. think, because his books are full of that. And they're so fun, so it might be a little challenging to sound them out for the grown-ups, but <laughs> we know how fun the sneeches are. And um, no, it, all of that is so fun for kids, so don't forget to rhyme and play with words all the time. So the Florida site, uh, we talked about it in some of our vowel episodes, but they have some more advanced Finney McGuinness activities too. So they have a really great game where you sort um, by short vowel or long vowel. And I use that activity in my second grade class right before I teach um, long vowels just to make sure that the students have that phonemic awareness and that they hear the difference in the vowel sounds because then they will learn those vowel sounds so much faster Mm -hmm. if the hearing piece is there. That's really true. And especially not just second grade, but even fourth and fifth grade, if you throw in a few phonemic awareness activities, um, you know, when you're reviewing vocabulary words, when you're about to introduce... Greek and new, Latin roots. Yep, when you're about to introduce a new topic, um, uh, anytime you're, you're doing this, there's lots of activities that are still available, but you can get them in so fast. Remember, we can do them in the dark. So yes. it's a great intro. Um, One activity. game I really like from the... Um, from the froggy book is a game called first or last. And so, um, the author, you know, chose a very specific collection of word cards, um, that either end with the same sound or start with the same sound. And so the target sound might be lul. Okay. And so then I'll show, it's just like four pictures and I'll say, okay, do you hear the lul at the front of the word or the end of the word? And sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll line up little Lego people and say, okay, this is the front, this is the back. And so we're teaching, working on left and right with, you know, the words or the O'Connor boxes or whatever. And so then I'll show them lamp and the students will say, okay, I hear that at the front. Okay. Ball. I hear the lul at the end. Perfect. Yeah, I, I think that's really And important. so that's working on a lot. That's one activity, but working on a lot of different phonemic awareness skills at the same time. Um, I love that there's this one game that you were telling me about that you play with your kids. It's called Am I Right? Yes. I love that one. So um, this is one that I will do sometimes when, um, if the students do have some letter sound knowledge, but they're not always, they're making a lot of miscues and they're making a lot of mistakes. And so they still are having phonemic awareness issues. And I want them to have more metacognition and recognize their own mistakes. And so I'll have a picture of cat and then I'll have the letter tiles out, C-A-T, and I'll sound it out. And I'll say, C-A-T, cap. Am I right? And then I'll, I might have to do it a few times with them. And then finally they'll say, no, you're not right because you said cat, but then you said cap and you should have said cat. And so then I'll say, okay, well, where did you hear my mistake? Was it at the first sound, the middle sound, or the last sound? Right. And some of them really have to think about it for a little while, but then they'll eventually point to that ending sound. And um, we'll do that over and over again, and that will help them start to recognize you know, okay, thumbs up or thumbs down, maybe their peers' mistake. And then eventually they can hear their own mistake. 
um, you know, that I was just thinking, how can we make that a more advanced activity? And you could actually have your older students do it with a partner. Yes. And they could, you know, either make up, like do the same word and say, hey, am I right? Or is it the same? Or is it different? Um, Or I changed one sound. Which sound did I change? Right. So I think about um, correcting my daughter right now. So she's three, almost four. And sometimes she'll mix up her words. So she often says Atlanta. And so um, sometimes I'll say, am I right? Atlanta, Atlanta. Is that the same word? And she'll say, no. And so getting your kids to recognize that, especially if they are kind of within this age range too that I'm talking about, getting them to correct their words. They're, you're not training hurt, their ear. You're not hurting their feelings. You're not doing it on purpose, but make sure that you do intervene. It's important. And um, make sure that you're, if you're a teacher, you're also intervening too. Yeah, I... I Start off with my students pretty early on in the year and just say, did you know you use your ears to read? Did you know you use your ears to spell? It's not just your eyes. You use your ears. And so that starts to bring their awareness to phonemic awareness and that they have to pay attention to their sounds. And we're trying to just keep connecting and building those sound relationships in their brain so that... um, they're ready to read. Um, before we um, turned on the mic today, we were sort of chatting about some other ideas, and um, Shannon was saying that the kindergarten teacher next door to her has really great ideas, and I love this because when you're standing in line with your students, that's a great time to have a ring of words that you're just hanging on to, and you can do a rhyming activity or a segmenting activity or a blending activity, or a deletion activity, um, and you can change up all of those skills, and you can work with just a few kids. You can work with all of your kids. Yeah, if you had a picture of box, and then you could say, okay, what happens if I take off the b, and then they would need to say ox, or she'll have them um, count the syllables in the word. She'll have them count the sounds if it's a short word. Um, she'll say the sounds, and she'll have them blended as they're lining up. Um, I gave her this frog book, I think her first year teaching. (laughs) I'm like, you must do this because you are a kindergarten teacher. The first grade teachers will thank you. (laughs) Yes, it's, it's so true. Um, I loved, um, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of clapping out syllables, clapping out syllables under phonemic awareness is totally fine. Like that's totally fine. You can be playing lots of games. Um, but also don't forget to do other things. Like I love using robot language. If you're going to do syllabication, um, I love using, um, marching band, marching feet and marching each of the syllables out. And I do the drop the mouth where I'll put the hand under the jaw and like say the word sort of like robot because your mouth drops with every syllable. And every it drops, don't forget, if you missed our vowels episode, it drops because every time you say a vowel sound, you're opening your mouth. And so you have a new syllable. Don't forget also, next quick reminder, a syllable is a word or part of a word with one vowel sound. I hope you all know I was doing the hand motions that go along <laughs> with that. So we hope this has given you some ideas of phonemic awareness activities that you can do um, with your own children or your students Mm -hmm. at home or at school, when you're in the car, when you're lining up, around your day, during your day, around your home, around the room. 
you can be doing these quick and easy activities anytime. We're going to link to a bunch of them in the show notes. Um, I have a quick plug for Emily Gibbons. Yes. If you are um, working with children who have a diagnosis of dyslexia, um, I recommend this because she has an assessment that goes with it. So you can do a quick assessment and really pinpoint which activities you need to work specifically with a student that you're working with. Um, and that's her phonemic awareness bundle with an assessment. Love that. Um, and then also the David Kilpatrick book, because he's the guru of phonemic awareness. Um, don't forget to, um, our big takeaway today is really, we need our kids to be blending and segmenting by the end of kindergarten. If you're noticing that you are going into kindergarten and this is starting to become a problem, you're halfway through kindergarten and they're having some issues blending and segmenting, now is the time to intervene. Yes, if they're having trouble taking sounds apart, or putting sounds together, then they need intervention. And if you have a student who is in on a kindergarten or first grade level, mm -hmm. and maybe in a different grade, maybe in the second or third or fourth grade or beyond, and you're not sure why they have a reading trouble, do back it on up. That yeah, do <laughs> um, we talked about? We can link to it again. In our um, Getting to Know Your Readers episode, we were talking about some different assessments you could do, and we linked to a really good free assessment mm -hmm. that you can give mm -hmm. um, that looks at all of these different pieces of phonemic awareness to try to identify where the, where the issues are so that you can provide instruction. And what, what I found in my experience is that as soon as they get the just right activities mm -hmm. and that phonemic awareness starts to develop, the reading grows. It really does. Well, because those those sounds that they hear and they can push, they start to connect to the code. And that's the reading piece that yes. you really need them to break the code and understand what those letters mean. Um, all right. We're going to do a quick review. Phonological awareness. You are holding your umbrella. It's all the different skills with working with sounds. Mm -hmm. So remember, those skills are word awareness, syllable awareness, rhyming. Alliteration, first sound awareness, and phoneme awareness is part of your umbrella. You're going to close your eyes, bring your umbrella over your head because you're doing all these activities in the dark for phonological awareness. And the phoneme piece is the sound. It's manipulating the sound. And then when, that's when you really start to do phonemic awareness is when you are getting the students to focus on blending and taking apart those discrete little sound units in each word. Yep. So that is the manipulating the words um, and uh, deleting sounds and matching sounds. So make sure that you are doing these things. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. Um, definitely link to the resources that we have in our show notes. And we can't wait to hear more from all of our new listeners. Thanks for listening to the teacher's Reading Teachers Lounge podcast, we would like to thank Jordan Kemker for providing the original music and Allison Zane of Fruit Creative for the artwork. If you could please write us a review on iTunes, that would help more teachers to find us. And thanks to those of you who have already left a review. Also, if you find our information valuable, please tell a fellow teacher or parent to come and check us out at our webpage at www.readingteacherslounge.com. We add a lot of photos and things to our social media, but when we put it on the website, everything is all together in each episode's separate page. So mm -hmm. if you want to see all the resources or sight words, 
you can go to that episode page or if you want to see everything about short vowels it's all together there so do check out our website bye thank you